here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by none other than Pipsqueak, who is one of the hottest EU-based players in the entire Europe. I was going to say world. Boy, <laughs> I'm off to a great start today. <laughs> I'm so happy true. to have you on, Pip. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, I mean, I reached out to you, so... Uh... It, it, that that shows that you know i was interested in doing this because my ego from winning tournaments you know that's not enough i also need to you know jump on different podcasts and you know just say stuff you know hear my own voice a little bit it's a great thing for me i get to go through it every time i record but i want to actually just take a moment for myself selfishly here and appreciate the kind of glow up process where I had asked you onto the podcast a while ago and you said no, which is very fair for you to say no, by the way, because I was like more towards the beginning. And so now at this moment in time, very thankful to have you on because I think it just shows both of us like improving, <laughs> improving what we're doing on my part, especially, but for you also, I, you're right. For you also, because you 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 didn't have to come on, but you still decided that you wanted to come come on to the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was super. I mean, uh, I I remember. I think I gave a reason why I said no. I think I had like a really busy time. So no, I've I've been mean. I've been jealous of all my friends who've been on this podcast. So every time I've seen a friend on this podcast, I'm like, why why haven't they asked me? Why haven't I been asked yet? And then I've completely blanked the fact that you have asked me before. And you know, this is actually the first time I'm hearing of the fact that I actually said no. I've just been operating on the assumption that I just never got asked and i'm like dang <laughs> oh i see how it is it's okay i'm it's it's a i don't want to make it a he said he said thing yes you did give me a good reason for saying no but usually when i hear that i go well i'm not going to ask next week nor am i going to ask next month i have to play the long game because i intend on doing this uh, for a while so hopefully that was also that's also something that people like yourself will appreciate because you probably get people coming up to you sometimes and they're like, yo, pipsqueak, words and things. Can we do stuff? And then you say no yes. and they say they try to be cool, but then they'll come back a week later as if everything's changed and you're ready to go now. No, that's very common. But uh, I always feel a little bit of like... Um... I, I always start like blushing emo emotionally after a while because I'm like, dang... You, I got you gave me a week and that was all you could do oh man <laughs> you you must really want my time okay mm. uh, and then, then we usually go from there but no it does happen so I, I appreciate it it's just been uh, uh you know sometimes uh we find the golden spots like here where it's right before summit and right after a big tournament so it feels kind of nice to you know have a discussion right before like a big event it's actually two events since i'm going to smash world tour as well uh and yeah you caught me at a perfect timing i remember what happened was uh you you made a tweet or you made a reply to me rather yes. and uh or like hey uh, uh i don't remember who asked first did i ask first or did you ask first i think so camar who is a mutual of ours uh german-based yeah. uh player was replying to a tweet that I made about Nikki being on the podcast oh, and yeah. so was saying something about I've been on the podcast and so I just uh, it's Kemor saying that 
something to that effect. Yeah. So I was like, Pipsqueak on the podcast when? Because I was like, I oh, need to go yeah. for a bit of like a meme kind of a thing. Cause... Yeah, yeah. You can't ask straight up. You mm -hmm. have to actually like set it up properly. You know, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, however, uh, I do find it funny that I completely forgot you asked before. You, you actually waited so long that my entire like long-term memory managed to fade away. It wasn't even my short-term memory uh, because I can't even recall it right now, even though we're talking about it. It was all the way back in February. I went and checked. After you said yes, uh, I was like, oh, finally. How long has it been since I asked the first time? And I was like, February. Okay. That's a while. <laughs> that's <ago."> a while. <laughs> yeah, that's while. really funny. But well, let's, uh, let's just retroactively change that backstory and say that uh, you never asked and this interaction on Twitter never happened. It was just that... Uh, I saw Nikki on the podcast and I said, anything he can do, I can do better. And, uh, you Beautiful. know, then, then I jumped on here. Yeah. I love that. And even though you're very good teammates together when you play doubles, you still have this competition between the two of you that I think is awesome to see. Even at the same circuit finale, and this is one of the reasons why talking to you is so cool, because right now you're the only Melee player that is on automatic in for both Summit 12 and Summit 13. You were not because you won the same circuit finale, which is unfortunate, but just that in that bracket, you and Nikki had to play against each other was in losers. And it's like, oh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. But you're you're not thinking, oh, you know, maybe this, that. No, you're you're playing to win. And, and Nikki feels the same way. It's really cool to see that. Yeah, I, uh, I've always had the attitude in general that uh, I like results are really, really cool, but they aren't like they're not a goal that you can set and work towards because it's so nebulous and it doesn't inform anything about like what you actually have to change, what you have to do. You just, uh, you just kind of do stuff and say, okay, I want to win this event. And then, you know, that doesn't mean anything. And, but one thing I do think is really cool is when you can like focus on the game and it, and, and you can try to push each other to like play better and it's one of those things where i've had people come up to me and apologize for warming up my opponents and i'm like no what are you talking about i want the best melee possible like if, if nikki warms up like seven german players in a row and just like hands them over to me <laughs> and they go through the meat grinder and i'm like thank you that was higher quality than i would have gotten without your warm-up and in the same way when we play each other it's not about like oh who's gonna who deserves to move forward or like you know i one of us has worked harder or less hard or whatever who's more deserving it's all about just like trying to push each other and you know play better and you know become better at the game i just realized uh, i mixed up the cool. same circuit finale in the smash world tour the smash world tours where you both played in losers you ended up winning that. he never uh, he never entered the same finals right, i just realized finals. right as he said it so disappointing that he wasn't able to play in the same circuit but you had yeah. a nice little run there in losers very nice little, little run bit. there not a big deal I, uh, beating just about everybody no, no, to place first and get an invite to summit 13 must feel pretty good well uh i'll just quote the people in my chat and in my twitter replies constantly which is uh common pip w and i i don't know why <laughs> who started it but now every time i just need an ego boost i swear it's almost on demand something good happens and i'm like dang and that's common pip w i'm like oh thank you uh but no i actually uh if anything i just uh i um i want to thank radar for that win uh in that uh 
uh, Radar went and answered one of my tweets, uh, which was, uh, I got a migraine and uh, my eyes started hurting and I was super tired immediately after losing. I was like, there's no way I'm going to win this. Then he said, have you tried an absolute mountain of caffeine when a migraine is coming on? I swear it helps. And I was like, I have nothing to lose. And then I took a ton of caffeine and then I uh, stayed awake as a, like a byproduct. My migraine went away, my eye pain went away, and I just kind of like sat there and won game after game after game. It was a good time. Uh, so yeah, that's entirely his uh, fault that I, you know, stole the second invite and in that, you know, <laughs> EU can't have anything. It's all mine. <laughs> uh. There's a, there's a, there, there was a lot of cool moments leading up to you being able to win that tournament. And I, I could sort of sense that after winning a few sets and losers, it was just like, Pipsqueak's not going anywhere. So like, that's what. <laughs> I really like about your play styles that you embrace momentum. It would seem to me about just as well as any other player when you, especially like you just get a few good wins in and then that gives you like a real confidence boost. So aside from the caffeine, I felt like as you won more and more leading up to grand finals, it was just like, that's what it was to you that you were also building momentum. I don't really feel like I did that. Uh, I feel like, if anything, I played horrendously at the start, and I sort of went back to how I normally play. Like, throughout the netplay events, uh, most of them, and the, I mean, HFLAN, which I was at last weekend, uh, was sort of the same thing. Normally, I, I, I feel like I have a very consistent standard, and what happened was sort of just that there hasn't been... Solo battle hasn't entered a lot, so solo battle... There hasn't been a reason to play versus Puff, specifically. And then you sort of forget what you have to do. And what happened was sort of like, I forgot what I had to do. I play solo battle, I lose because solo battle is a very good player. And then I uh, I sort of just had, I, I, I had one thought, which was that it's going to be really frustrating slash uh, hard to beat Triff in grand finals uh, twice from losers. And then I saw Professor Pro beat Triff and I was like, okay, if I beat Triff, this is extremely doable. And then from there, it was sort of like I just kept up the same level of play throughout. And uh, I mean, it. I don't really feel like it was momentum as much as just like I was like I was so tired. And then when I stopped being tired, I just like played off the standard. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to get off of the whatever reverse momentum is. You just had to get back to neutral again. That's what you would say is yes. more accurate. <laughs> Yes, uh, and it's like it's interesting because um, I think that my playstyle, it's like the least momentum-based playstyle imaginable. In that, in a lot of ways, I've aped after like Wizrobe and the Twenty GX Falcons, uh, and I just apply a similar sort of um, playstyle to Fox. And uh, in this, you're not gonna see Wizrobe suddenly like play five times better because you know he got a good like read on the opponent that's not how that playstyle works and in the same way it's kind of fascinating that you say momentum because i feel like it was very much just like i remember being very frustrated in winners that i was dropping stuff and then in losers i was like okay now, now i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and then in general it was sort of like a one-time thing and swt like every tournament i've been to the smash world tour qualifier and hflan it's sort of just like I, I keep a very consistent standard there so yeah i i like 
I like a generous interpretation that I'm a momentum-based player because I went from losing to winning. And uh, that, that makes me very happy that you say that because now I've truly, you know, I've got the full 360 of how you have, like, described playstyles. You know, I'm the cold and calculated one. I'm the momentum-based one. Like, at this point, I have the whole world in my hands. That's a beautiful thing. But maybe perhaps just to qualify my knowledge of Melee, I'm not even, like, like a ranked player in in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, not exactly a powerhouse of melee. So you could take my uh, my observation of you from a distance as you will. But I think a really good way to sort of spin it into a final accurate or a final description of how you played yeah. for the same circuit specifically is that it wasn't so much of you like gathering momentum. It was just continuing to find your way back to that neutral spot yeah. where you needed to be instead of exactly. letting your tiredness the migraine stuff and all that. So shout outs to Radar, absolutely. You know, I still remember the interview that you and Radar had on his YouTube channel where you guys got into a lot of cool stuff. So for anyone who wants <laughs> who wants to hear Pipsqueak talk more, you can go back to that Radar SSBM on YouTube, find that interview. I remember when that came out and it had a lot of great perspectives. So I won't rehash all of that. We have a lot of current stuff to talk about. You alluded to HF LAN. I would love to get your perspective on how that event was, both as like, oh, hey, everybody's back together again. And also, okay, I should go back from there. Was that the first really, really big EU tournament where everybody's together? Because I feel like there was something in the Netherlands a month ago or so that Nikki was nope. talking about. Uh, well, the, there was something Nikki was talking about, but it was, it, it was much more of a like... Um, German slash Netherlands event. It's um, uh, it's Project Hive, I think it is, uh, which I don't remember what it stands for, but it uh, it runs every like two months or something like that, like three months, and it's uh, it's always pretty big. But no one from like outside those two countries kind of travels there, so mm. it wasn't like a it wasn't like a major EU major. While HFLAN was much more of a like everyone is here. Uh, except for the fact that some very, like, I would consider key top 10 players uh, had to DQ for various reasons. Uh, Trift DQ'd, Yariden DQ'd, and Nikki couldn't go despite being signed up at the start. Um, so, but, but it was still like a major, because if you count like attendance, because it's pretty rare to reach like the 200 plus in EU. Right, it's uh, it's one of those tricky things where there's a ton of people that would say major, but then you're missing out a few of the top players yeah. for various reasons. So it's like it's harder to say major, but maybe perhaps would you have called it an EU super major if all the no. top player representation or what's an oh. EU super major to you? Can you even say like that? I don't think you can say that. I think you can just call it EU majors. I think uh, the the like super major definition. I think the only thing we've had is Air Five, I believe, uh, which had like 600, 700 entrants and everyone there. Uh, but I, I don't think, off the top of my head, I don't know. I know I know that the melee stats Discord, which we're both part of, uh, probably has a definition for an EU major and another definition for an EU super major. But if they do, I'm not aware of it, and I don't know if HFLAN classes under that. But uh, I'll just take it as my first, you know, big offline win in a while. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, certainly. And it's helpful for you, I'm sure, to be able to say, I can go through this gambit of players in an open bracket, be able to handle the fact that it's a multi-day event, because I'm assuming it, I mean, it had to have been a multi-day event. It was streaming yeah, yeah, Saturday and Sunday. So 
the entire experience, like how would you sort of wrap it up after having gone through you won from winners, if I recall correctly, all that fun stuff? Yes. Well, it was super fun. Uh, we had one complaint and it wasn't uh, Swedish exclusive. It was actually almost every region from outside of Sweden had a single complaint about the event, which is sort of unfortunate because I think everything else except this was absolutely fantastic. There's very, very little to complain about. But the seeding was very interesting in that uh, I know there's a really funny picture of a uh, UK player and it's a gravestone which says like, here lies all of the UK players that Lil Sheaf slayed in bracket. And it's just like, fuck, it, it, it's seven or eight names or something like that. It's pools, it's like half of the bracket, and it's just people from their region. And you see that, and then you look at like the amount of people from out of region they played, and I think there's like two or three people from out of region. <laughs> and you're like, huh, that's a little bit weird. And um, uh, another example was Fautanel and Renzo had to play, and they're both from like the same region. They play like every week, and they've played every week for like four years. So they have an insane <laughs> record version versus each other. So it was kind of unfortunate that they were projected to play in winners and did in fact play. And uh, I had a less egregious one. However, there was a little bit of what we call a French bias in the seeding, I'll say. Um, so I looked at the projected bracket and I looked at the Swedish players and I looked at their French opponents. Uh, or uh, I, one of them is from the Netherlands. It was uh, Charlon and Skolbro versus Abarv and Sharp. And I looked at their previous records and what my perception of their skill level was. And I was like, there's no way they beat the two Swedish players. There, there's zero universes where this happens. And sure enough, Abarv frios Charlon convincingly. And then I play Avarv. Uh, and then afterwards, Sharp frios uh, Skolbro fairly convincingly. And then I play Sharp. So my early bracket was uh, Swede into Swede into top eight. <laughs> that is unfortunate that there were so many different players who were going... I want to come all the way to Francis to play the same person. <laughs> I, that that is that is something that's like it's it's one of the top five or top ten list of things that seeders and and tos have to be very concerned about when they have such a big major where everybody's traveling from out of region to play. Yeah, I agree. It's unfortunate because the rest of the event was absolutely fantastic. There's almost nothing to complain about. I can't really think of anything except the time when you know. It, uh, it it caught on fire in the um, uh, amphitheater, uh, which was really funny. Uh, someone, yeah, so uh, someone dropped their phone in like the seam with the share, and it's an amphitheater. It's like a huge projector. It's like a cinema, basically. You open the share up, try and drag out the phone, and the phone snags. And then when the phone snags on someone, the person, because they were fishing it out with like the back of their hand, right? They weren't really like looking. Right, right, right. They just drag, and then they break the battery in half. And when they break the battery in half, the thing sort of just implodes and catches on fire. And then we have an electrical fire inside a chair, and uh, everyone is kind of pretty confused. And I was at the very, very start of the event, they were going to hold like a welcome speech, you know, like, welcome to Age of Flan to our great tournament, and then BAM! Catches on fire immediately. Uh, which was very funny, but uh, outside of that, the event ran pretty well. I, I have very few complaints. Um, 
so yeah, I had, I had a super good time. Uh, thankfully, no one got hurt, uh, except the phone. The phone is uh, unfortunately unrecoverable. Um, RIP. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the it was, it was very interesting as a competitor in that I've been to the Smash World Tour qualifier, but that's a very different like experience um, than a open bracket and that, you know, there were 32 players or something like, no, it was 16 players at Smash World Tour qualifier. Uh, and when there's only 16 players, they're all killers. Like you, you, you can yeah. fall at every step. Invitational. Yeah. And it's also way shorter. You don't have to play for as long and you can also just like take times to relax in between stuff because every set is going to be competitive. So there's longer times between, you know, your stream matches. There's always good practice. Meanwhile, an open bracket is a little bit different. So uh, I definitely felt that in that I actually lost a game in my round one uh, bracket. Uh, I uh, I lost one game in round one bracket and I was like, oh, huh. And I freestocked them, but it was really funny that I didn't think I was going to win the event when I, you know, lose round one. That's not typically what a dominant first seed is supposed to do. Uh, and then I um, I win my round two uh, fairly convincingly. My round three was a Abarv, which, fun fact, you might not have heard of them. They are a Swedish player, or he's a Swedish player, who... Um, has been playing for a while but hasn't really traveled to any events and he popped out of nowhere for me i ran into him on unranked and he messed my fox up he's a marf main and he just messed my fox up and i'm like which smurf is this uh, i yeah, i yeah. refuse to i refuse to believe that this is a player i've never heard of whose smurf is this and then i see the name again in like a net play bracket the week la later and he plays this like second and i'm like oh no, this is a real player. And then he just consistently plays as like top eight or right outside top eights in net play events. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess they're really solid. And now this is their first out of region real life event, I think. And they placed right outside top eight, I think. I think they placed like nine for something like that. Hopefully uh, encouraging for Abarv. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, fun fact, he's the person I've been practicing Falcon Marf against the absolute ah. most. So if you look at like the number of games I have in that matchup and you like look at the slippy tags, I think Alba Arv is at the very peak of that. So if there's one player who could have taken me out early, it's him because he he keeps it the most competitive and he uh, um, has the most practice versus me. But I managed to win. It was a free one, but it was uh, pretty competitive. Um, and then immediately after that, I uh, play Sharp who uh, is from my local, we play every week, and uh, usually I win super convincingly. However, not this time. Uh, it was the closest set of the event. It went to game five last hit, and it was extremely stressful, so much so that I have uh, gotten a sneak peek of one of the pictures a photographer took at the event that isn't public yet, and it's just me with the like, I'm leaning back in my chair, praying <laughs> and uh, after my victory. And um, yeah, no, it was a good time. Uh, I From there, I was sort of like, okay, I'm entering top eight. I don't know how I'm going to do. I'm a little bit stressed. But if there's one thing I know how to do, it's how to beat Fox and it's how to beat Falco. And then the rest of the event was very, very convenient for me because that was what I played against. How, so, 
<sighs> you have characters that you would say you're probably more comfortable playing against. And one of the one of the fun theories as we go into Smash World Tour season and Summit season is how Zayn needs to have characters besides Fox and Falco in his bracket. Otherwise, yeah. it's kind of a wash. It's pretty easy for Zayn. But when you think about having an ideal bracket, and yes, fellow Spacey's being in there, is it just you'll take it because that's what the bracket's giving you and you're not going to think twice about having to quote-unquote beat everybody? Or do you actually like the idea of I did beat everybody, kind of like how it was for the same circuit finale. Yeah, I, I super prefer just beating everyone. It feels so good to leave a tournament and say I sweeped and there was no bracket luck. There was no right. like I, I dodged my hard matchup. I There was this one I didn't really feel confident against. If I play all of my hard sets and win, that feels significantly better than winning without playing the hard sets. So definitely, I, I'd rather just play like the hardest ones, which is why I'm very thankful that I went so close with Sharp as I did, because I think I kind of underrated that. And it was one of those things when, when you play someone at a local so frequently, you sort of just like get a little bit complacent. And uh, uh, that's not to say that I played like awful. I, uh, I have one John, which was funny in that uh but it, it was fixed after game one but the the share that they were using it was like super high up which meant that i couldn't sit with my controller properly yeah. i had to like sit like this and then play and then we fixed that and it was fine but uh yeah i didn't expect to go that close and i was very thankful because in retrospect i think all of the other parts of the bracket would have been easier so the fact that I got like the hardest one made me really happy in that regard. And in the same vein, when I looked at the finale, uh, it was between Kinso and Professor Pro right before me in Losers Finals. And for those who don't know, uh, I actually have a better record this year versus Professor Pro than I do versus Kinso. And uh, because of that, I saw the like reverse Frio happening and uh yeah because uh, kins was up 2-0 and then prof like slowly brings it back and it looks like prof is gonna win game five and i make the judgment that you know i think prof is gonna win and i actually got a little bit sad because i was really looking forward to the rematch versus who i thought would be the more challenging opponent at that time and when kins won i was actually so happy that like yes okay i get the run back it's gonna be difficult i'm gonna have to like do new stuff and then i won and it felt super good it was insane watching that game five, like you were saying, how Kenzo was up, or sorry, Professor Pro was up, and I was like, okay, this is just sort of like the experience coming through. Professor Pro has been playing longer than Kenzo, but then Kenzo brings it back with a with a with like a two stock comeback, I think, and yes. that was very impressive to see. I was like, oh, that's so cool. Hopefully, that means that you know it'll generate a, a pretty good competitive grand finals, and you're just sort of like, well. Yeah, but no, <laughs> it was three one though, right? It wasn't like a three zero. No, it was win it was it was a winners finals that was three one. Grands was three zero. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm very so I'm very sorry to report that it was actually just as bad as you expected. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Kinso did tell me afterwards that he definitely felt like after Prof he sort of ran out of steam a little bit, which yeah. I completely you know respect. Yep. Uh, and I told I told him that this is a this is actually like a, a little bit of a tangent, but I have a. A little bit of a pet theory that a reason that some players like make it way deeper into bracket so consistently is usually that like when you get used to getting to a point in bracket you become very very good at conserving your energy properly 
So like if you're not used to entering top eights, you're not going to plan around top eight. And then, you know, you're going to run out of energy by then because yeah. you're trying to like use as much as possible. So when you get there, you're like, oh, dang, I'm tired. I don't I haven't like planned my food properly and all that. And then I sit there in grants. And uh, meanwhile, I've had a little bit more consistent top eight placements recently. So uh I sit there and I'm completely prepared to play the finals. So it felt a little bit unfair in that regard, where for, it, it felt pretty clear that his level of play degraded a little bit. However, all of the games were competitive and I uh, I definitely did sort of like... I, I, there was one or two interactions away from losing any one of the games, which is sort of how you want it. It just swung in my way every time. <laughs> Well, I remember very clearly, mostly because it happened somewhat recently, but I remember very clearly the first time that I ever won a set in bracket. I went down to losers after losing in winners, and so I'm, you know, looking at 0-2 again, which is fine because I don't practice enough to get emotionally invested in performing well or anything, but I, you know, I want to. And so I'm yeah. playing against somebody who I hadn't played before at the local, and so we get into it. I sneak out i do mean sneak out game one and then that just was like i was able to ride that momentum to finish 3-0 yeah. and i was very excited i was very happy we were doing best of three early in bracket by the way because it was like a 10 percent bracket anyway and, best of and, five, yeah. and i was like walking around like i did it i did it and then somebody was like yo cypher you're gonna go over and you gotta get to that setup your next match i was like oh my next match <laughs> oh I, just, I, I didn't expect to be here <laughs> i know exactly what you mean when you're talking about planning for actually going the distance yeah exactly and that, that was sort of like very cool with a offline event uh, i also think one of the critiques i've had even though i've benefited more than anyone from the like netplay circuit we've had in europe um one of the critiques i and a lot of other players have had is that running a three-day netplay event is way less fun and way more frustrating than running a like three day offline event. Right, when you're uh, actually between, around everyone. It's impossible to find something to do between games because they, there's too much downtime, so you can't, but there's not enough downtime, so you can't go anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So you sort of just sit for, in front of your computer for like three days sitting like this, and you're like, okay, 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, I play my set, and then I went, wait between 20 to 50 minutes, depending on how the bracket slash stream order goes. And then Ooh. you just sit there and do that for three days. And it's a little bit it's a little bit frustrating. Meanwhile, at a real event, you have tons of people to talk to. You can just walk up to any random setup and, you know, sit down and play. And in general, the mood just lets you ride that high. And I've definitely missed that, but also I wasn't really used to it. So it was a little bit of a, you know experience especially like i noticed in winner finals no winner semis versus kinso uh the crowd went crazy there there was so much noise uh during that set that i uh i, I just heard it through my headphones i was like oh dang I've, i haven't been here in so long and then i just had to like get back into the game and like focus and all of that was very valuable and it makes me super excited for like summit and stuff to like hopefully be a little bit more you know uh prepared for it compared to if i just had like net play event net play event net play event and then not a single like offline event when you think about summit 11 and how there is only probably one other person who had a worse experience around summit 11 and zane but i think number two is probably you because 
you tried so hard to get there, doing everything that you possibly could. Those Twitlongers about your adventures in Mexico are just legendary and how you unfortunately, like at the end of it, are not able to get into the US, you're not able to go to Summit 11 and how heartbreaking that was. You're just like this close to being able to be part of such a great event and get that IRL experience back in. Like as you think about that, and now you're thinking about Summit 12, what storyline do you put in your own head or what's your mindset about how Mm. you're gonna be able to take advantage of this? Because it means, I know it means a lot to you. So uh, that's a very well phrased question uh, in many ways. Um, I've I would have chosen to answer it differently if you didn't add the second half to it, which I appreciate a lot because uh, you're gonna get a better answer than you would have gotten. Um, I so obviously I, I was very sad around the first one, but the uh, the feeling I've had it went from sort of like sadness to a little bit of a like not relief but i managed to see like a silver lining which is that uh, there are there are certainly parts of both my play and my preparation and my mental state uh, i wouldn't say i was depressed but i wasn't in the best mood i was very stressed for various reasons and i'm not nearly as stressed right now um and i also feel considerably more prepared in game for a variety of things and those two things means that it's very easy for me to look at it and say oh that was a tragic, tragic trip. However, I have a funny story to talk about, and I have two summit invites, and I'm not a person who gives any uh, regard to like a prize pot. Like that doesn't fuel me or motivate me in like any way. So uh, if I miss the like hundred and fifty thousand dollar or whatever it was, the the last one, and it's like considerably smaller this time, I don't mind because the same players are gonna be there, and I'm gonna get the same uh level of gameplay maybe even higher because you know everyone is getting better constantly um so for me i've um i've got a very positive expectation for this one i'm also very thankful because i was actually at summit nine as a coach for yep. my good friend present because i uh, i was going over to norway the week before present prison decided on a whim to campaign because no european was campaigning and it's like ah i'll just do it it's gonna be fun we're gonna meme a little bit it won't be that serious and then he gets in and let's go i prison. go along it was it was a very fun trip for me however it was very visible very clearly like I could tell how much the pressure of like how much money and like uh, how much people had spent on him to be there and the collective like expectations from his friends and everyone around him that he would perform. And I could feel that pressure and I pretty much concluded that if I can at any cost, I'm probably going to avoid campaigning for Summit uh, because I unfortunately have the exact same thing where I feel a lot of guilt over that stuff. Uh, so I probably wouldn't be able to have the mental state I should and like prepare in the way I should. Uh, so I'm very thankful that I can go now, both in just like a better life situation compared to in the summer, but also just that I don't have to go as a vote in, but as a, you know, uh, qualifying player, because that means that there's really no expectation outside of what I put on myself. Like people are going to say, oh, I hope Europe, Europe, you know, performs well, but everyone thankfully shares for me usually at like events i'm very thankful to have a 
huge group of people who like want me to succeed and uh you, you in some ways you kind of learn to like tune that out and that like you don't you don't let that get to you um so i'm just expecting summit to be a very very fun and like rewarding event but i'm also not putting any pressure on me to like succeed because i feel like the stuff i've done over the last months um either it works or it doesn't and it's like there's nothing I can do to change that. There's no attitude I can go in with where it's like, oh, if I think this way, I'm going to place four spots higher and I'm going to beat these two people that I wouldn't beat otherwise. There's no magic solution like that. So for me, it's much more important to just trust in what I've done over the months and, um, you know, go from there. And if I do well, then that's awesome. But if I do badly, then I'm going to be more prepared next summit. I'm going to get all the practice and, you know, be back stronger. So no matter what, I feel like this is going to be a fantastic event for me, assuming I can get there. Yes. So that's not necessarily a guarantee right now that you'll be at summit 12. Is that what I'm hearing? No, it, it should be a guarantee because uh, oh, not a lot of people... I never, I never did go into details. Uh, I thought it was obvious why I couldn't immediately go into the US last time. I might have mentioned it offhand in some part of the tweet longer, but uh, at the time, Sweden hadn't rolled out their vaccination program for people my age. Mm -hmm. So I had to travel across the world unvaccinated. Uh, and that obviously comes with its, its own challenges in terms of like how you can cross the border and where you're allowed and stuff and how you have to quarantine. Uh, and those challenges don't exist when you're double vaccinated, not nearly to the same degree. You have to fill in some forms, you have to uh, take a test once you land, and you, um, you you have to present like all your information, your vaccination proof and all that. But you don't have to quarantine for two weeks in Mexico, uh, which hopefully means that I'm going to summit. It's just that I did get a little bit of PTSD uh, trauma from it. Every trip I've had since, it's just been a constant thought in my mind that, oh, how is this one going to go wrong? It's like my trip to London, it wasn't that long. And every step I was like, okay, so something is going to happen from this point to the point that I'm done. And then it didn't. And I'm like, oh... I made it. And then the same thing happened at HFLAN, but a little bit less severe. It's like I'm slowly unlearning it. But uh, because of that, I'm a little bit anxious about the trip. But no, there the, the really shouldn't be anything that you know stops me. It should just be a, a trip there. <laughs> and then a trip back. And hopefully with really, really great results. You know, what, when you were talking about the sort of the mentality of how you're, well, how you approach Summit 11 and now how you're approaching Summit 12, just it harkened back to you how you described your play style as more of just like achieving a neutral state where you're able to do the things that you want to do, things that are, well, they feel reliable and so you want to go do them. Yeah. It sort of seems to be that way in your mindset as well, that you don't like riding high highs. It's more of just yes. finding something that can be as stable as possible. So for me, I, I have a pretty strong belief that you... You, you have a set amount of mental energy uh, per like tournament, per like set, uh, and you can't really, you can't really rely on playing extra good or do coming up with something new creative. And by that, I mean, a lot of players, they go into a set feeling like they are the underdog. And when they go in feeling like they're the underdog, they feel like they have to prove that they deserve to win and they have to like do all these things to like, you know, 
they have to go the extra mile. And when you have that mentality, it's very easy to second guess yourself and it's very easy to get stuck overthinking stuff. Um, I, I've been a little bit critical of uh, two other top players in Europe right now who I believe mechanically and knowledge-wise are top class in Europe. But I think the results are dragged down by the fact that they often go into a set with me in particular uh, feeling like, oh, he's the better player. I have to do all these things. I have to be prepared for all of the stuff he's going to do. And then they just have to think about it on the fly in the in the set. And the, the trend tends to be that our game ones are very competitive. And then our game twos are a little bit less competitive. And our game threes are even less competitive. And I feel like that sort of like symbolizes how if you feel like you have to like figure new stuff out and you have to think about what you're doing and make sure that you're doing it correctly, then you run out of steam eventually. Whereas the way I want to think about the game mid set or rather mid game, it's a little bit different between games and like on long breaks like the Angel platform. But during the game, I just want to believe that I know what to do. Like if either I know what to do or I don't know what to do. And if I know what to do, there's no point second guessing it. Sometimes I'm going to mess up and that just, that just happens. There's like, there's no meaning to that. It's just a part of the experience. Uh, if I knew what I was supposed to do and tried to do it, but I messed up, you just have to accept that. That doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It's just part of being a human. And in the same way, if I don't know how to do something, then there's no point agonizing over it or trying to figure it out during the game because you're not going to get immediate results on the same level as what you've practiced like day in and day out before. So you end up sitting there and I feel like there's no scenario where you like win there. I feel like no matter what, you're going to end up just like performing worse. No, Even if you like get the right thing, you're like, oh, this is what I have to do. And you think about it and then you still don't do it because it's not something you practice. It's not in your muscle memory. And uh, then you get frustrated and from there, you know, devolves. Um, and yes, in that way, I think it's very possible to reach a stable mindset that just like works in losers and winners, regardless of pressure. It just works. Whereas I think a lot of players, they have a very momentum based mindset where it's like, oh, I'm doing good. I just have to do this one, one, one more thing and then I'm going to, you know, then I'm winning or I, I, I just have to do this. And like, it, it's very much like... The, even the way I'm describing it, it's very charged. It's very dependent on the, the situation. Whereas I think the way I think about the game, it's very convenient that, that no matter how the situation is going, I just I, I just kind of know how I should think about it, how I should frame it. So what are you chasing when you play Melee? Because you're it's not the money thing. And it's almost as if you're not chasing an emotion. So, or how would you describe it? So for me, I have a, I'm very fortunate in that I used to be a very results-based player. I used to be, look at the results and be like, dang, I got 13th this time. Oh, I really want to get top eight next time. Um, but what changed was that I, I started playing good players much more consistently. And I started getting enough game knowledge that I could start to innovate myself and draw my own conclusions and be confident in my conclusions so that if someone says something else or like critiques them i can like work that out how valid it is and in that process i caught a glimpse of what i think like the melee i want to play looks like and 
when I caught that glimpse, it's sort of like... You, yeah, I just sort of started obsessing over it, where it's not about getting first, it's not about being number one in the world, as in like the ranking, it's about reaching that level of melee that I think I can reach, and in doing so I think all of that is going to come as like a byproduct. And I think that's very rewarding because I, I can be happy with a loss if I think I played good and like was on the way to reach there or I learned something new or like all of these other things and I don't have to attach it to like the end result in bracket. And um, uh, it's also why I find it very funny how some players get frustrated when there's no like power rankings for a while. I've seen some discourse where it's like, oh, Europe hasn't had a power ranking for like two years. Oh, I, why, I'm ranked so low, I should be way higher now. And in my head, I haven't even really thought about it. I used to be like, oh, I'm ranked 19, next time I'm gonna be ranked 10, and next time I'm gonna be ranked five, you know? But now it's just sort of like, I play my game and I, just feel very happy when I do. Like there's very few situations where I play melee and I don't feel fulfilled doing it. In bracket or out of bracket, I just have a good time no matter what now. And it's super, super nice. So you wouldn't describe it as chasing the perfect game so much as just chasing the the melee that you're trying to play like on your terms. Yeah, so everyone has a different idea of what they're like, what perfect play looks like and we're not gonna agree and i also think it's unrealistic to like always be a perfect play because we're humans we're gonna mess up so it's pretty stupid to or not stupid but it's uh it can be frustrating striving for it especially if you um if you do it in like a short term where you're like i practice this i know what this is supposed to look like i miss it and i'm like dang i didn't do the perfect melee I wanted to, you know, do. And you get you get mad. And then also, perfect melee is going to change when you get more experience. It's gonna it's gonna not look the same in a year from now. In the same way that but but I think when you say perfect melee, the definition of perfect is something that shouldn't be changed. It's just it's set in stone. And uh, I I while I think that what I'm reaching for could be described as my perfect melee. I don't want to describe it as that because it's always changing. Every time I get some new information, every time I think about a new part of the game, a new interaction, or I get hit by something new, I always have one more thing to evaluate and that changes how I wanna play. And you know that's always gonna happen. And I think if I let that process just keep happening, then eventually I'm gonna be at like the point where, you know, uh, I'm better than everyone else. However, I think if you stick to like an idealized version of Melee or of any game, of anything you do, uh, once you reach that state, you're gonna be very empty. And I think that sort of happened with... I'm projecting here. I haven't talked to him about it, but I think that sort of happened with Armada, where when he became number one and cemented his leg legacy, there wasn't anything left to strive for. And I felt pretty frequently when I looked at him play that he didn't derive any enjoyment from it. It was a lot of just like routine, I'm doing this and then I'm winning and then I'm gonna win the next one because I should slash I wanna get the ranking. And it wasn't like playing for the game's sake, especially in the Puff matchup. It was super obvious there. He just seemed to play with like 
hate in his eyes the entire time uh maybe this time puff will finally be unselectable from the <laughs> character select screen or something exactly and for me i i feel like i took a lesson away from that which is just that first of all i don't think i need to have that mindset because i don't think that's inherently more productive than just driving for something that's more intrinsic so i just prefer focusing on the intrinsic stuff that i enjoy about the game because i can I can derive enjoyment from playing anyone that's like even remotely competent. And it's also like every time I play someone new, I I learn something. And then when I learn, I feel good about it. Whereas if all you're thinking about is placements, you're, you're going to throw away stuff. You're going to be like, oh, I learned this, but it's not relevant to improving or it's not relevant to immediately getting better results or anything like that and i think it, you're more prone to like discarding stuff or judging stuff too harshly being more close-minded whereas uh, uh i've been very happy with how i think about the game uh just like every i don't i can't give like a here's how to get my mindset in five simple steps just do this but it, it sort of just fell into place I stopped being an angsty teenager, my life got a lot better, and uh, then I realized that one of the few things that I like consistently enjoy, no matter what, is just playing the game. And I will keep enjoying playing the game, and I'm going to keep enjoying getting better. And that shouldn't, as far as I know, stop when I become the best. I love that mindset, though. And, and yes, not always going to be easy to discern how to explain that to someone who's asking you how do you get there or anything like that otherwise there'd be a lot more like within a year somebody getting to yeah. a really good mentality spot or 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 skill in the game like becoming a top ranked player and that sort of thing so i think embracing the journey is probably the biggest thing you could say just with with the game or the life that you lead and ultimately melee is just a part of one's life it doesn't it can be what you do eight hours a day if you want it to but it can also be something like for me since i i have a, a wife and kids i can't oh and i work full-time i don't have time to to do melee on that level but i choose to keep it in my life still because every time i think about the game or if i get to play it if i get to play in tournament it's it always brings me a certain amount of joy where i go i don't get that yeah from from a whole lot else in life so uh, not that exactly. i hate everything else it's just that no, melee gives me it. something special when i play that yeah or when i yeah. talk about and it and i think it, i think a lot of players lose that after a certain amount of time playing i think they have that spark and then eventually they lose that i actually saw that with uh, um who used to be number one in my region discounting leffen of course uh which was a uh, daddy uh, I had many discussions with Daddy when I started getting good, where he talked about like, oh, I feel pressured to win because I'm, you know, the first seed and I I feel like I it's a lose-lose situation. Either I win and no one cares or I lose and people like get hype at my misfortune and it just feels bad. And I get that, but I also think I've never felt that. I just feel like I have fun playing the game. And if someone is like enjoying beating me or whatever, I take that as like a huge compliment. Whatever I get pop popped off on, except I, I haven't been popped off by Hungry Box. I don't know if a Dal one will feel special, but in general, when someone pops off on me, I just like, I feel kind of like warm inside. I'm like, dang, I was worth a pop off. And in general, just like, 
I always have fun doing it, despite being like the first seed and not being expected to you know, drop a game. And it's about enjoying the journey for sure. Um, I can shout out the one like good resource book for mentality that I think actually like consistently helps people. I've read a lot of them, but uh, most of them I don't really enjoy. The one I recommend is just uh, the mental game of poker, um, which uh, I swear by, and it. I think this process started after I read a ton of mentality books, including that one, and sort of like evaluated what I want out of the game and why I'm getting frustrated. And uh, that book really helps you like make that into like a concrete step by step rather than more of a like nebulous process. <laughs> you said a word mm. that's super intelligent. I'm struggling to remember what nebulous means. Dang it. It's uh, it's vague. It's vague. It's hard to grasp. It's uh, fleeting. Yes, nebulous just means that the opposite of concrete. That's a good. Okay, there we go. That's a great way to think about it. Appreciate you helping me along. The English speaking person. English <laughs> is your second language, but I'm the one who needs help. <laughs> and that's America for you. That happens. So moving into December. Very busy, busy season. And you could say that January is busy in the sense that Genesis is at the end of January, but it's it. this is about as heavy of a smash week, like eight days or 10 days, however you wanted to think it's of more it. more for me. When it's, when it's Summit one weekend, yeah. and the very next weekend is the Smash World Tour, World Finals, 40 players that at the end of the last chance qualifier, there'll be 40 players all vying with each other to try to win the whole dang thing and win a, an impressive amount of money or at least grassroots yeah. funded with all the sponsors and such. It's very impressive. And we could talk about the world tour, perhaps another, or sorry, I say world tour, the Nintendo circuit thing, perhaps another time, but this is, this is going to be as big of a opportunity for Week. people besides, yeah. besides summit, you know, getting voted in or qualifying through places like main stage or otherwise, like there are people who are are coming for either summit or they're just trying to be around the united states even up until genesis and they're like we're just going to live here for a while and we're going to do smash world tour and we're going to do genesis and that all that kind of stuff is very exciting like players like sora who you had on your stream yeah. for a little while there that was fun fun video to watch uh on the youtube afterwards pipsqueak you don't have the pipsqueak tv by the way i saw <laughs> somebody else has pipsqueak tv on on YouTube. yeah it's frustrating <laughs> i don't know why that is but i i have no idea how that happened but yes i managed to snag pipsqueak but i can't get pipsqueak tv so no, whatever it do be uh, i'm not complaining you, this... usually it's the opposite way around but normally it's big enough of a deal to play summit and then you have like you know a couple of weeks or in mango's case five or six months to recover from and not go to other stuff but you have smash world tour the weekend right after that so in your in your estimation for the plans that you're loosely making all that fun stuff not that you have it down completely yet but like how are you going to manage this like what are you thinking about heading into all of it you think I'm European and I don't have it all down already? It's so <laughs> close. Of course I have it all planned out. No, uh, I'm um, so I'm leaving on Sunday. Uh, so it's December 5th. So I'm getting a couple extra days to recover from jet lag uh, before Summit. And uh, that's very convenient because I, I've heard Leffen complain about jet lag enough times to realize that the best way to solve it is probably to just get there earlier and uh, take his word for how bad it is. 
so I'm gonna get there and uh, avoid jet lag and then after summit I am heading over to Florida to share an Airbnb with the uh, other European players and then on I think Wednesday we're moving over to the hotel the that the um, BGBC crew uh, Smash World Tour crew um, what's it called uh, has set up for the players and then from there event happens and we're, we all have a good time so I've got all of that planned out however it's gonna be a bit of a journey in that I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very unsure my, what my energy levels are gonna be like I've got a couple different pressing issues uh, medical and uh, otherwise where they might be hard to manage during that duration however I've also gone in with the only expectation of it being like a learning experience which I talked about earlier you know mentality yep. uh, which means I don't really feel too stressed about it because I don't really have like the guilt from you know campaigning that comes with that I just kind of feel like I'm gonna have a good time no matter what I, I have the advantage of having been at Summit once before which means I know sort of what the layout is like I know what to expect from the people, what sort of schedule it is. Even if I wasn't like actually involved in it, I, I did just like watch it and I did help Crescent go through it. Um, so I have that advantage, so I'm less stressed about that. I feel like if I didn't have that experience, I'd go into this going like, oh, it's Summit, oh, I'm gonna go to Summit, it's insane. I've never been here before, oh. Whereas now it's like, I know I'm gonna have a good time, but I'm not, I'm not losing my mind over it because I, I have that prior experience, which is, I'm very thankful for. Um, and then going into the Smash World Tour, it's sort of, I think for me, I don't really mind whatever result I'm going to get there. Mostly I've just been craving playing US players for so, so long, because one of the hardest things about living in Europe is just how impossible it is to compare you to a US player. Uh, because I'll be honest, when I look at most US players play, I think they look pretty bad. I think they look pretty incompetent in some stuff that European players have done. But it's impossible to prove that without playing them. And I want to like, a good example is um, when I look at SFAT play, I think he very actively trades like what's the correct thing to do for what's easier to do. And I think that's sort of why, when I look at his play, that's how I justify the fact that he's been like top 10 for so long, but he's not like jumped up and, you know, contested top one, top two, you know, like the absolute peak. To me, that's a sign of just like foregoing the peak in favor of like consistency. And I, um, uh, I want to see if I'm right on that. I want to see like, is there a secret to why he's so good? Is he actually like, do I just like have the advantage because I'm trying to push those peaks in game and like uh, that that's just very very exciting to me like see how I'd stack up there like does the experience you know beat me out or do, does does my like flow sharding and stuff is it just like strong enough that I win anyways and there's a ton of players like that where I look at them and it's very hard for me to know how I do relative to them. I'm very bad at judging like relative skill level. As long as you can move fast on the screen, I'm impressed pretty much. And then every time you do something I know is wrong, I'd get annoyed. Uh, I just sit there like, what are you doing? I know what to do here. Uh, but it it's just gonna be a very pleasant experience. And I think I'm actually gonna come away from it with a decent perspective on it because like, I mean, 
hell, I'm not top 100. I, I'm not, what's it called, uh, top 50 in Europe, uh, technically. I'm currently ranked 19, and uh, I haven't played anyone in the US for like three years. Last time I went, I went on a controller uh, that wasn't modded, and then Genesis 5, which is the only US event I've ever been to, announced two weeks early that they weren't running UCF, so I didn't have shield drops and my controller couldn't dash back, and uh, uh, I lost at that event, and I was moderately annoyed. It's a, it's my villain backstory for why I switched to the box. I just wanted a controller that works in random situations like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be fun to like actually get a good estimate of the US players. And because of that, I don't really feel like I have to handle it anyway, because I, I don't have like a set expectation. And because of that, it's just like, if I'm tired, I'm going to just chill for like a couple of days. And if I, if I feel like shit, I'm going to, you know, take a break instead of taking the opportunity to like practice. But if I feel good, I'm going to seek out everyone and just play as many people as possible to get as good of an image as possible. That's all I really want out of it. I don't really care about anything else. I just want to get the the experience. I hope that you're able to get a lot of experience at the within that it's such a short period yeah. of time to do all that melee, and hopefully you're able to manage your energy levels and everything else like that. And then maybe perhaps have some kind of baseline of like this is what I feel I can do when Genesis Eight comes yeah. around. Future, I'm either. I'm not going to Genesis Eight. Huh. I'm not going to Genesis 8, you're unfortunately. I just assumed so hard there, so you're not going to Genesis 8? Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, the, the reason is just because it's so close by, and I have to celebrate Christmas, and then it's, all, it's just like the trip from a two, and it's like a two and a half week trip uh, to the US, and then immediately home, celebrate, catch up on stuff, and then immediately to Genesis afterwards. It's a little bit much, so I'm skipping out on that one. But I, I'm probably planning on going to whatever comes afterwards. Yeah, the, uh, next, the next whatever yeah. the next big thing is, which is interesting. Yeah. Can you think of what the next big one is? Because nope. I can't, not off the top of my head. Nope, nothing announced yet, as far as I know. That's kind of well. Okay, melee off season historically, traditionally, tends to be the January to March time period. But you'd think that pound or something would be, huh? Because I think of pound. Well, I mean, COVID. Huh? I mean, COVID. Yes, but that didn't stop a bunch of people from announcing events for like you know the past couple of months. Like as in starting around June, yes. we started to see some of that stuff come through. I yes, have not but thought they announced them fairly close. Mm -hmm. They started announcing them closer to the event compared to normal. They used to be announced way earlier in advance. I feel like this year we've had a lot of ones. Big house that are just like a month. That's already been yeah, that, scheduled but... October of next year. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. That I can't is the believe one. I forgot but that's, that. That's 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 far away though. I'm hopefully <laughs> going to something before that. Uh, but yeah, no. So I'm I'm very excited. Uh, for me again, it's just like it's it's such a weird experience in Mexico because now I have these like two or three players that I've played against who consistently plays well in their play brackets, and I just see their names. I'm like, huh? Have you gotten better? Or am I just like, if you place this well, then how well would I place? And it's sort of it's sort of an interesting experience there where I have these like small pockets of information where I know I'm very good, but then I don't know how like it could just be like, nah, they were playing bad versus me and you know they're actually way better or like anything else. So uh, I'm just super looking forward to it because it, it, this past like two years, everyone in Europe has been like, oh, 
nah, Europe still sucks, and you know, like, oh, we, uh, I, I, if we've gotten this much better, then the US has to have gotten way better. And I look, and I'm like, no, I actually think we caught up. Like, I don't think we're like there yet, but I think overall we went from like a weak region with a few standout players, like a handful, to a region where we have like, we have. 10 15 players who are like good and then below that everyone is like more consistently moving up the ranks and we're seeing faster change compared to like any time before slippy so i feel Red. like um i'm gonna be the hopefully the bear of good news we'll see i'm i'm carrying the hope of every european they're gonna be like oh pipsqueak placed top eight at summit that means the europe is good finally we can because stop saying that Europe is bad. They're already expecting Leffen to place better than that, even, and so it's like, yeah. well, we have to play yeah, secondary hopes. Leffen. We have to play. We have to play secondary hopes on Pip, on Pip because if he does well, that truly means that truly means it's not just Leffen is good. It also yeah. means Europe Europe is good. Yeah, I mean, we've we've discounted Leffen. Leffen is the antagonist here. Leffen's the one saying no one no one is good enough to practice with me. I I don't feel like anyone is worth my time and i don't blame him knowing how good he is at the game i know like th there is a certain situation where if you beat someone the same way for five years straight and they don't change what they're doing and you still beat them the exact same way five years later i'd also probably get a little bit annoyed and uh, stop so I, I don't blame him but it's still like to the public he's the enemy there i don't think people are looking at left and going europe is so good woo Leffen plays top three. I can't believe it. Europe's finally on the map. So Leffen I mean, is his own com co continent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He doesn't have the support. I've, I think coming in as sort of like an unknown variable is very interesting there where I'm... People don't know how good I am. And uh, I don't mean that as like a bragging thing. Like, oh, they, they don't know how good I am. I mean that as in... People have no clue, including myself. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, and obviously, I think... I think if there's one thing I'm lacking, it's experience in that everyone talks about the US. Okay, so here's the secret insider knowledge from the people who have traveled to the US a bunch, which is people are bad in the US, but they're good in tournament, which is sort of the opposite from Europe, where it's like people are good in Europe, but they're bad in tournament. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting. Would you say it's just... No, come on. There's a lot of European events in the Slippy era that run on a fairly consistent basis. Yes. So that helps. However, you think that's the biggest thing for no. you. No, I don't think that that helps alleviate that because the issue is that every time you travel to the US, um, you're playing such a huge pool of players in comparison with such a completely separate culture. the The culture of gameplay in Europe is much more homogenized towards like pushing the advantage of your character to the absolute limit. That everyone sort of plays everyone copies each other they see what's successful they copy what's successful because there's a much larger variety of playstyles that became successful in the us there's also a much larger variety of players at a lower level and it goes like no matter how far you scale down everyone just has more variety so you're gonna go to the us and you're not gonna see s2j and then s2j but a little bit different and then s2j but even more different, but it's like still sort of SJ. You're going to see non Wissy and SJ, and they're going to be three completely different players with completely different habits, with completely different ways to look at the game and evaluate what they think is important. 
Whereas in the US, I've already realized, no, not in EU, I've already realized that ever since I got good, I feel like every fox has looked at me in EU and said, oh, I know what he's doing. I'm just going to copy this and then I'm going to beat him. And so far, no one's been able to do it better than me. But I mean, that could change. And But it still means that when I play Prof and when I play Nikki and when I play like Rix, when I play like Ice to a lesser extent, but more so now than before, I'm playing sort of the same player in a lot of ways. Where it's just like everyone has a similar evaluation and I just need to do the same thing. I'm not getting surprised by new stuff. And in that way, I feel like Europeans lack the tournament experience because as soon as you go over, it's just culture shock after culture shock after culture shock. So it'll be interesting. It'll be cool. I hope I can avoid that by just being better than everyone. Yet another reason why Melee is amazing. Not only do Europeans travel over to the U.S. and have, you know, a certain amount of culture shock because the U.S. does things slightly different than than most European countries, but it's also in, within the game itself that there's even even within a game like Melee, the uh, blessed party game that it is, you can have such a different culture of how you play characters. Yeah, yeah it's super cool. I think uh, one thing that surprised me the most was just like, I've talked to a few US top players that I considered like labbers or like labber adjacent. And then I'd like talk to them. I'm like, oh, never mind. I was comparing you to the EU, the true EU labbers. Uh, and I set wrong expectations that's okay but now i need to readjust and uh yeah it's interesting why how like different the culture there is i've i mean i never grew up hearing the term mind games uttered unironically as a uh skill to have <laughs> but i hear from various u.s players that back in the day it was all about the mind games it's like oh Asen has the mind games oh shillin has the mind games hugs not a good player but the mind games carry so hard and I'm just like, I'm the opposite. I'm just like, melee to a degree is like poker. It's, you can stack your hand insanely in your favor if you're card counting and you can make it so that no matter how good your mind games are, if I have to mind game you once and you have to mind game me 35 times, the odds are gonna stack up in my favor. So that's sort of how I look at the game. And uh, so far it's, you know, worked. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Mango or someone will just mind game me 800 times in a row, and I'm gonna be in the uh, infinite Tsukiyomi. If you if you have any anime references, uh, might be too young for you. But yeah, I'll, I'll be in the the illusion, just getting wobbled and uh, <laughs> just mentally not sure what I'm doing, just looking around like, what's happening? Why am I losing? <laughs> Wobbling's illegal over here too. You know, the only person mm. that I remember in a hungry box pop off is actually the S Fat set where they're both standing up and Hungry Box wins, pops off. And this is what S Fat is doing afterwards. He's like, just yeah. like nodding, <laughs> nodding yeah. vigorously, like a hand on his head, like, Yep, I just lost. This sucks. And Hungry Box is like yeah. it like next to him, just still like bouncing around. If, when when you I play think, against Hungrybox, uh, when if sorry, when if you play against Hungrybox, if a pop up happens to happen, I I don't think you need to really worry about what people are gonna say about what is happening to you in that moment. People just look at what Hungrybox is doing because that's where the show is. <laughs> no, for me, I just I'm I I've been wanting to see what that pop off is like in close quarters, and I need to feel the energy, and if I'm on the other side. 
I'm probably not even gonna think about the fact that I lost. As soon as I realize it's doing the pop-off, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna observe. I'm just gonna see what I can learn from this. Like what what how can I pop off like hungry box, you know? Like ask myself the important questions. So yeah, no, I uh I, I totally get that. I um <laughs> I look I look forward to it. Um I think one thing that I definitely gained from this like weight from Summit 11 to now is that I uh, I committed to switching to Captain Falcon versus Marth. And if I went to the Summit 11, there was no way that, that counterpick was like even remotely prepared. But now I spent a couple months just like playing that matchup a lot. And now I feel a lot more confident in bringing it out. And even if I lose, I'm going to get so much more than if I bring out like a first month counterpick versus like Sane or Kodorin and then it's a completely different character the month after you know like I'm not getting very useful information from there it's uh, great so... it's, there's two Marths now because Kodorin was at the previous summit uh, because you weren't there but he wouldn't yeah. have been there if you were there and it just would have been Zane and who wants to try a month old counterpick against Zane in bracket or even friendlies like you're not yeah. just you're just not gonna do it exactly so yeah it well, I would do it, but I would expect to lose. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't go in saying like, oh, this is this is the correct way to get a victory. I'd go in saying this is how I get experience and go from there. But I, I, I would still play the Falcon in bracket. Wow, uh, that is impressive. Yeah, I haven't I don't think I've ever switched back to Fox a single time in bracket, even when I'm like down or lost games or stuff like that. I've I've always played Falcon every game. Um that's a good no, way to, no, no, like, no, that's no. a healthy way to stick through the whole thing because you could lean further into counterpick wars and just switch characters every game. There are players who do that, but it, it's dangerous territory, like just trying to like reset your mindset going from character to character from each game. It's yeah. It's so tricky to play two different characters I, I, in high level melee. I just prefer playing I just prefer sticking to it, and if I lose, then every game is valuable, and I was like in it to you know perform as best I can with it, rather than, in some ways, it might make sense. Like there might be some stage that Fox does like equally well as Falcon in, and I'm just like, okay, I could play Fox here, and it'd be fine because I'm more experienced with Fox, but I could also play Falcon, and then I learn so much more, and the next time I'm going to come back stronger, and I'm going to have gained so much more from that. So I just prefer doing it that way. Great mindset. I I think that's perfect for dual maining and having a, well, as of right now, Marth is the only character you would yeah, use Falcon okay. against. So having a counterpick matchup character and just sticking to it as compared to, yeah, just it, it is tough because you want to win, and if you focus on that too much, you're going to go, I, I got to play Sox. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I've definitely felt the call of the void at certain points. I, I didn't mention it, but the person I lost against in round one winners at HFLAN was a Marv man. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, dang, I could just auto win this if I go Fox. And I felt the call of the void. I was like, oh, <laughs> am I going to break it? Am I going to do it? Is this the time I break the, like, uh, the streak? And I was like, nah. I'm just going to win with Falcon. And if I lose, it's a really funny result. Then we're going to look at the bracket and they're going to be like, how did Pipsqueak get seeded first and end up in losers round one? What happened? And then I just go on a tear from losers and it'd be great. But uh, no, I st stuck with it. And then I free stocked in game three. And it's the classic, like I just prefer if I lose, then at least I stuck to it, you know? Yes, yes. 
the uh, the the last question here. I need to get this in because I broke a promise in another video or another podcast that I've recorded. So I need to keep the promise by using audio from a a a uh, someone who enjoys Fox and someone who you're going to agree with by hearing this question. But I'm going to play it on my phone here, and hopefully you can hear the audio. And if you yeah. can't, I will recap it for you. Cool. I'm ready. Everyone that's watching this, actually, what is the best fox alt color or just fox skin color? I think it is blue fox, and well, of course that's the only you know correct option. But <laughs> unless you guys have a different opinion, love to hear it. And that's all I wanted to come on here and say. Thank you for listening, and I would love to hear your replies. Bye bye. So. That's a question from iHeart. From I heard Fire. Shoutouts to well, this is a not Firepuff Twelve. This is OG Kid. Oh. This is the, this is this is Fire who none like rated his stream or something to that effect, and and he's oh, like, oh, it's that kid. Yes. I love that. That's so blessed. Yes, that's incredibly be- so blessed. He, I he, love he, that. He was on my podcast, and then he says to me, "Can I submit a question?" I was like, "Sure, you can submit a question." So he says he's asking the question of. Who's got the best alt for Fox? Is it blue? Is it red? Is it neutral? Is it green? And he says it's blue. I think I know the answer for you, but I will let you kick us off here. What's the best alt Fox color? So first of all, uh, I just want to hit you with a uh, w- <laughs> with the fact that this is a very sartorial uh, question <laughs> right here. A word I learned earlier today, and you know, I just had to get it in there right away in the most natural way possible. Uh, let's go! But yeah, uh, let's go! No, um, for everyone who doesn't know what that means, aka 99.8% of people in, on Earth, uh, it means uh, having to do with clothes and clothing. And um, uh, I. Um, did, did, did. I have some thoughts on alt colors in that I think um, I have decently strong opinions. For me, I've always felt that the green color stands out as the one I dislike the most. And for the most part, it has to do with the uh, the shoes. I think they, they're they kind of frustrating to look at. Like I look <laughs> at the, the, they're like, I, I feel like someone turned the like uh, saturation <laughs> Uh, but, but like twice as high as they should be there's no like red like else... that in his red costume <laughs> yeah exactly like the the red one is just like very pale orange but the the red boots they just pump the saturation up so high that i can't look at the character i can only see the boots and the rest of the character just like fades into the background and it's really annoying <laughs> um and it also just it, 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 it yeah it's just a frustrating thing to look at and for me the only thing i really care about in alts is like do i want to stare at this for thousands and thousands of hours of my life and uh i decided that no not green so green is the one i will discount immediately and say i don't like that one and now for the opposite reason completely other side of the spectrum orange why is everything the same color why is every part of that costume just like a slight variation in color? There's no contrast whatsoever. And because there's no contrast, I also, I don't think it's offensive. I think the green one can, after a while, get just like a little bit offensive to look at. 
But the orange one, it's just so whatever to me. I just don't think about it at all, and it doesn't like stand out. So that one I think is pretty bad for the complete opposite reason. And then we have the two finalists, the blue and the default. And for me, I think blue stands out just enough. However, I think it loses out a little bit with contrast, where I really like the colors, but lavender, uh, you can call it blue or lavender. It's, I guess it's technically lavender color, but the, the lavender fox, it, um, uh, it also has the issue that orange has. So everything feels like it's sort of the same color. There's very little yeah. contrast. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's the main reason I prefer default over blue. However, people who follow me know that I've had periods where I've decided to switch color to purple. And then after a couple of months, I've switched back to default. And then after a couple of months, I've switched back to purple. So I sort of bounce between them, but I think default overall i've spent more time on and i think it just has a cleaner look uh, it's the only one that has any form of contrast they did this way better in the following games in yeah, brawl and in, in smash 4 and in ultimate they fixed that and they've realized that the like under jacket that the character has and the like oh, well i guess it doesn't have the scarf in the later games in the same way but the the under jacket it stands out relative to his like outer jacket and it looks really good in like every alt so it's super unfortunate that they decided to not do that in the the earlier games because I feel like if you change the color of like the uh, orange like undershirt that's just like pale like uh, brown if you change that to be a little bit more vibrant then that color scheme would be so good and in the same way if you change lavender so you have like because right now everything is sort of the same intensity if you have like super super dark undershirt so it's like almost black or you have like uh yeah another color contrast with it at all then i think it'd look a lot better uh and i obviously the default skin they didn't have to do any of that because that one they just took over from the actual games yes. where you know uh, probably another designer thought about what color scheme to use and they thought that oh these two colors fit together nicely so it just feels more natural Okay, so you're saying a lot of great things. Here's what I'll add to the discussion. The color of Fox's fur in Melee makes it so hard to actually get a lot of good costumes out because it's not really a neutral color. It's almost like an orange, almost. It's like yes. getting close. Yes. And so it's going to be hard to find a lot of good color combinations where you say, this makes sense. Most of it, you're just going like, what were they thinking? Like, especially especially for blue and the like the red I mean, we're saying red, but it's really hard. Yeah. And yellow yeah. boots, which I'm just like offended by. So when I think about green as being my favorite, the main reason why I say that is because it's almost as if I enjoyed that chaotic perspective of they uh. really just leaned into it. I like green. It's my it's my favorite color after black. You know, when people tell you you can't you can't say black is your favorite color. It's not a color. So then I say green. All that to say, <laughs> I, see. I enjoy the red boots because it makes me think about a scene from The Good Place, which is where, you know what, I'm not going to get into it. But the <laughs> the people who, who remember The Good Place and remember that scene, they'll remember it. They'll, they'll think it's funny. I love the red boots. I love the ridiculousness of them, how they're basically the only thing you can look at after a while. And yeah. because he's wearing a green jacket, I'm like, I can't really look at the blue. I can't really look at the orange. And I've never liked the alt for Falco or Fox, the default, excuse me. 
I never mm-hmm. liked the 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 default for Fox or Falco. So for Falco, I play the green Falco, and then for Fox, it's the same thing. And it's not like it's one that I feel super awesome about. But what I would want to change is the f- color of Fox's fur to be like slightly towards that more neutral brown that he ends up being in the later games, so that colors can work better on him. I think that's the big thing. I think there's an alternate solution, which I'm really sad they didn't do. And I know that uh, Fire isn't going to like this because uh, I'm suggesting something that, given what his favorite is, uh, is going to sound really rude. It's that it's a well-known fact that orange and blue goes super, super well together. They're, so great. they're the perfect contrasting color. Yes. And every every single movie poster has these two colors together. Yes. So just change the blue color alt yes. into actually blue like yes. i think i think the like turquoise i think the uh bright like uh the bright uh like as i can't pronounce it ashier azure azure oh my goodness you're saying so many intelligent words today pep woohoo yeah true uh, but yeah, the, the that type of color scheme I think looks so good with how extreme his fur is, you know. Yes. However, it would be an easier solution to just make his like fur more neutral because fox th- is... that would mean more colors work. Yes, uh, the moist fox for Moki. That's a great yes. combination, uh, and with like the exactly. black, like the black as well mixed in is like. I really wish yeah, that was just favorite. a melee. My two favorite skins are both ones that I could see as uh, like real skins. One of them is just turquoise jacket. That one looks so good. And then the other one is um, it's the vapor wave one where it's like it's slightly pink. And I think the slight oh, like yeah. mm-hmm. dampened the dampened pink color works super well with the fur as well. And those two are just like my favorites. And I get very sad because in my opinion, the pink one is just a slightly better default color scheme. It has a redder scarf and it has like a pink jacket and it fits perfectly. It's a very slight pink. It's like it's like almost white, but not quite. And then uh, uh, the the turquoise one, it just stands out and looks so good. So yeah, I'd, I'd remove blue and or I'd change lavender into blue yeah, and yeah. I'd uh, I'd change default into the, uh, the vaporwave outfit or whatever it was called. Are there any esports organizations that can come to you, Pip, that have those color schemes where they go, all we got to do is find somebody like Van City Primal or one of the many gifted modders and artists in this Melee community to get you one of our esports like, uh, like symbol and colors onto the Fox character for you, and it'll be turquoise or vaporwave pink. That yeah. would be awesome because you're a free agent. So to finish us out, you can tell the people where they can find you and also whatever you want to say to the effect of somebody throw me money to play this game if if you want to do that because you are a free agent and it would be i think especially after you know december comes through and rolls around with all the stuff it would be awesome for you to play to that point where yes people are watching organizations are watching and they're going that's our next player yeah uh so for me you can find me at uh, pipsqueak underscore tv in most places uh twitter and twitch and then it's just pipsqueak on youtube i am a chronic chronic uh twitter user i so be aware there are too many tweets there i will flood your timeline uh now for giving me money i actually have a very blessed situation in that i live in sweden and i also have a uh, i have two medical conditions uh one of which is adhd 
uh, or neurological. I don't remember what they're called, but yeah, I have two diagnoses there. Uh, one is, is ADHD, the other one is atypical autism, both of which qualify me for uh, some very generous like government support, uh, which means that I, aside from like the work I do outside of uh, Melee, like I can still survive decently and it's not like I'm not in need of emer emergency funds. And I'm very clear that the one thing I hate more than anything else is when people spend money on me that they cannot afford to spend. There's nothing that ruins my day more than hearing that someone spent money on me and then they couldn't afford something or they forego they 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 yeah, they foregoed like a luxury they were looking forward to or anything like that. So I'm gonna do the opposite and say, don't throw money at me unless you like genuinely want to and it doesn't affect your like day-to-day -day quality of life at all. Uh, and yeah, that, that is pretty much all I have to say there. I stream more and more regularly on Twitch. It's um, uh, It's been periods with medication where it hasn't worked out and I've had very low energy in the past couple of months, but that seems to have worked out, which means that my stream schedule is getting healthier and healthier and more frequent. So after I'm back from... Uh, uh, Summit and SWT, we can assume that unless those that trip absolutely destroys me, I'm probably going to be very active on Twitch and stuff. So if you want to follow me there, that'd be dope. And yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have to say. Pep, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom the Smash Mountain. I forgot to do this at the beginning. So for myself, for people who want to support me financially, or if they just want to take a look at how painstakingly, aka I spent like 60 minutes on this, my Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash BSM pod. You can do that if you want to. Disposable income only. I liked what you said, Pip. And I think for an eSport organization, they would have so much to gain from signing a player like you just because you are taking a, a, a wider view of how the game works and how much you have to learn still. You have a great mentality behind it, so I would love to see that happen at some point for you. As in the meantime, though, <clears throat> in the meantime, though, yes, all the links to pipsqueak underscore TV for Twitch and Twitter, regular pipsqueak for YouTube. You will find those in the description of the podcast slash YouTube video that you're watching. Really appreciate your time, Pip. Thank you for joining me. No, it's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. I've... Uh had an amazing time and i guess you know we're signing off now thank you for having me i mean yes more or less we're gonna do uh, something we're gonna do the thumbnail after we're done recording officially but yes let's sign off kind of for now yeah, <laughs> yeah sign off i don't know what that means but yeah sure you uh, know nobody's actually hung up on me yet so that's the that's the good part <laughs> sorry i you, you know you did hang up on me <laughs> Sorry, there's a there's a primal urge. As soon as you said that, there was an absolute primal urge to uh, do that to you. And I am obviously, if I was sorry, I wouldn't have done it. But I'm sorry. It's okay. I just got popped off on, basically. <laughs> well, you set yourself up for it. Yes, you exactly. did set yourself up for it. Yeah.